This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, this is Greg Gutfeld. This is the one, and guess what? I am not all by myself. Because I'm with Eric Carmen, who wrote that hit song all by myself. And that's just part, a small part of his amazing career. He's had numerous hit songs. He was in a great band called the Raspberries. Then he had his big solo career, which is when he wrote all by myself and hungry eyes, which of course you remember from dirty dancing. I'm going to shut up now and say hello to Eric Carmen. How are you? I'm great, Greg. How are you? I'm fantastic. Now that or, I, I, I have to start out by telling you that my wife and I are huge fans. Oh. We never miss your show, ever. Oh. We watch you on the five every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I agree with you on pretty much everything politically. <laughs> so. That means you're, cra- you're as crazy as I am. Were you always like no, that? It means, it, or was this uh, an age thing? It, well, it, no, I, I, I think it. Uh, I've, I've uh, been... Around the political spectrum, I usually voted based on candidates before, but when when uh, Mr. Trump uh, became president, uh, everything changed, especially because, uh, you know, he's been so maligned and attacked by everybody from all sides for his entire presidency, and I think he's doing a spectacular job, and, uh, you know, the the whole Trump derangement syndrome is just so crazy. At a certain point, I decided, uh, to heck with my career. <laughs> I may never work again, but I'm coming out. You know? There are, two, there are and, two, things, uh, two things I have to say to that. Number one, I've noticed that on your Twitter. You are basically, I don't give an F anymore so you're like you may be all by yourself at a certain point i i, I may be within the entertainment industry <laughs> yes exactly so let me i i mean but the thing is one of the things i notice about like, like whether it's people like you or james woods you have to reach or even clint eastwood you have to reach a certain level of uh i guess you would call it fu money so you know that if you your industry is going to spit you out that your industry will spit you out but you have i mean all by myself Probably has bought you 16 homes, I'm assuming. Well, I don't know. if It, it, it hasn't bought me 16 homes, but uh, it, it's done quite well. Yes. And uh, I, have, I have one nice home, and, uh, and, uh, and that's, that's plenty. Uh, Eric, what state it's, do you— uh, It's been a great copyright. I mean, uh, yeah. just, just the uh, so forgetting, uh, you know, that it was record, it's been recorded, you know, by Frank Sinatra, yeah. Cheryl Crow— Celine Dion, Tom Jones, Shirley Bassey, Henry Mancini, who was the first person I ever asked for an autograph when I was 12. (laughs) That's crazy. So that's got to kind of blow your mind because I, I, you know, I, I I know your bio pretty well. I had older sisters, Mm -hmm. but I mean, the thing, the thing that you idolize Henry Mancini, he records your song and you love the Beatles. And then you end up in a band with Ringo Starr. Yeah, and 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 the you know my real the real pinch me story from that tour. I mean, uh, aside from just the how, how 
fun it was to be asked to be in his band. Uh, you know, every night I, I'm sitting on stage uh, at the keyboard. Uh, I look to my left, and there's Jack Bruce, the wow. bass player lead singer of Cream, mm-hmm. uh, Ringo back on the drums, uh, Dave Edmonds on guitar, and yes. Simon Kirk from Free and Bad Company on drums. Not a bad little band to be in. <laughs> yes. And uh, and uh, beyond that, we, when we played New York, uh, at, when the group played uh, in the New York area, we taped the, the Letterman show that day, and I completely forgot until I rounded the corner and looked at the marquee that that uh, Leatherman taped at the Ed Sullivan Theater. Mm-hmm. So I realized as we were walking in the door, I'm going to be sitting on a stage mm-hmm. in the same spot, on the same stage where I saw the Beatles play for the first time when I was 14 years old or 13 years old, mm-hmm. and said, that's what I want to do. And I'm looking over my shoulder, and I'm playing with a Beatle yeah. on that stage. So that was a, that was a kind of... Wow, moment. Do you know what's funny, though? I am more impressed that you played with Dave Edmonds, who I love. Remember I Hear You Knocking? What a great song oh, that was. We, we played I Hear You Knocking, oh. and uh, it was great fun because uh, I, I got to play bass on it mm-hmm. uh, within the tour because I'm not a boogie-woogie piano player. Yeah. And that's what Dave needed for that song. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jack Bruce was. <laughs> so uh, Jack and I switched instruments, and I played bass on Dave's songs. Wow. So that was really great fun. All right, so you strike me. Like, when I was growing up, I just assumed you were British, which you aren't, obviously. <laughs> but you strike me as an incredibly normal person. Are you like – and I know a lot of musicians. A lot of musicians, uh, the ones that don't talk a lot are the ones that are normal, and the ones that you see most often are crazy. Are you like – are you kind of like – an uh, are you an oddball in the in the musical world because you seem so normal? I I, I well I've never uh, you know what I guess I am sort of uh, I my goal you know I knew a lot of people early on yeah who took a lot of drugs you know mm-hmm. played in bands with guys who took did lots of drugs and whatever else. And I remember a story that uh, one guy who I played in a band with told me and uh he had dropped acid a bunch of times and i said well what was it like and because i was like literally the best kid in the world i didn't smoke i didn't drink Mm -hmm. uh i i was very busy listening to how uh, all of my favorite songwriters wrote songs and i was studying their work because there's there's no not really a school for that so i mean i was listening to uh you know figuring out uh West Side Story and everything Henry Mancini ever wrote and uh, the Gershwins and studying lyrics and whatever. And this guy said to me, uh, well, the first time I took acid, you know, it was kind of fun and whatever. But when I woke up the next day, I realized that I was somehow different. Mm -hmm. And so I kept taking it to try to get back to who I was. you You don't ever get there. That was all I ever needed to hear, and I guess it scared the daylights out of me because I thought, well, I how how terrible and unrewarding it would be to become successful doing what you what you love and what you want to do, and in the process end up a whole different person mm-hmm. who wanted that from the guy who wanted that success. So I I, I you know as best I could I kind of tried to avoid. 
uh, ending up a different person. And uh, part of that was uh, I grew up in uh, the suburbs uh, about 30 miles east of Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, my parents and family and whatever friends were there. And uh, occasionally, uh, starting sometime in the late 70s, uh, people started telling me, oh, you've got to move out to L.A., you've got to move out to L.A. And I, I did most of them, all my early recording, all the stuff with the Raspberries and my first solo album, I recorded in New York. And I love New York. I get along famously with people from New York. But everybody kept telling me, California, you've got to move out here, you've got to come to L.A. So I did, and I, I lasted for about a year. <laughs> and... Um, I saw a comedian on the uh, Tonight Show one night who, uh, his uh, opening line was, he said, I'm from New York, and uh, everybody applauded, and he said, uh, yeah, I've been out here in L.A. now for about a year, and I've got friends I haven't even used yet. <laughs> and uh, I thought, that's my experience, you know? And after about a year, I packed up all my stuff and got a moving van and moved back to Ohio. And a couple of years later, they convinced me to move out again, and I did, and I stayed for a year and moved back. And I did it four times, and uh, after the fourth time, um, I got to experience the joy of the North Northridge earthquake. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and, uh, and that kind of got your attention, because, yeah. you know, most of the earthquakes, uh, you know, your picture on the wall tilts, tilts a little bit. But the Northridge earthquake was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is serious. And I started to reassess, why am I here exactly? <laughs> this place doesn't make me happy. And... Uh, and that was it. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I had the. Uh, I, 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 I've I, not chosen to live in the meccas of the entertainment industry. You can live uh, wherever you want, though. I mean, uh, it's like you, you've. Uh, I mean, you've sold so many records. I remember. So I had. A, I have uh, three older sisters, and I remember the mm-hmm. raspberries well because, you know, when you're a kid. You, it's odors and smells that bring back you, bring back to your childhood. And it, I remember the scratch and sniff cover that you did. Was it a single or an album of the Raspberries? No, that was the album. It was our first album. Yeah. We knew nothing about it. Yeah. It came as a complete, we never got to see our albums before they came out. We uh-huh. never got to choose the pictures, obviously, if you look at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so the, the way I actually heard about that is uh, the bass player of the band called me one night and he said that uh, a girl that he knew had just called and said that she had just purchased our album yeah and uh, and he said well that's not possible it's not out yet because we didn't know it was out yeah and because uh, record companies they don't care about you you're no. just the artist why would you need to know <laughs> if it's out uh, and and she gave him some crazy story about. It. She said, "Well, I actually didn't get the album. I got the eight track because the album is delayed because when you squeeze it, raspberry jam's going to fall out of it or something." <laughs> and I and, and he called me up in horror, and uh, I was equally horrified. And uh, we called the record label the next day, and we found out no, it's it's not that. And then it turned out to be that that scratch and sniff sticker, which was. Kind of uh, well, it was it was unique, I yeah. guess, and novel. Uh, I'm not sure that it was the greatest idea because the whole uh, idea of raspberries was was not the small fuzzy fruit. Mm-hmm. It was the Bronx cheer. I didn't know we that. Basic, yes, we were basically formed. 
because uh, the drummer and I, who, who put the band together, hated prog rock. Yeah, that's we true. Loved, <laughs> we loved the Beatles and the Stones and the Who and the Small Faces and the Birds and the Beach Boys and, and uh, all the great records that uh, Jerry Goffin and Carole King wrote mm-hmm. and uh, Phil Spector and all that stuff. And then when we hit the 70s, uh, suddenly, you know, FM radio came in, and it was really slow-talking yeah. stoner DJs playing 10-minute Jethro Tull tracks. <laughs> and uh, I was I was like, what is this? And where's Pete Townsend slashing away at that Rickenbacker? Um, so we, we were completely put off by progressive rock. We wanted nothing to do with it. And, and my whole deal was the 60s was all about three-and-a-half-minute songs, Mm -hmm. great songs. And you had to be able to write and deliver a great song in three-and-a-half minutes. And so I had no interest whatsoever in listening to a, you know, extended five-minute flute solo uh, (laughs) or any other kind of jam. Uh, And and there were bands that were suddenly filling up the airwaves like Hot Tuna. Right. And, uh, you know, they had a a guy named Papa John Creech, and there would... uh, You'd be playing these electric violin solos that were eight minutes long, and I thought, God, I hate this stuff. <laughs> so Raspberries, Raspberries was our default name because we couldn't think of anything better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, we used to come in, uh, you know, everybody, we were trying to think up names, and we had a gig planned, and uh, we were getting down to the deadline, and every day we'd come in, and somebody would throw out a name, you know, how about the Iron Lime? And people <laughs> throw stuff at them, and it was like, no, that's not going to work. And, and we were really down to the wire. And I had watched a Little Rascals episode where there's a guy named Froggy. Mm-hmm. And throughout the episode, he says, ah, raspberries, everything. <laughs> and I just, while I was getting cleaned up to go to rehearsal, I happened to have that on. And we got to rehearsal, and I threw out some name that everybody hated. And, and uh, when they threw stuff at me, I said, ah, raspberries. And we went. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and that was it. But the whole idea of it being little fuzzy fruit was was really a misnomer. It was our, our logo should have been you know like vibrating lips and a tongue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? That's and that and then, but then Mick Jagger would sue. <laughs> uh, that will be really. I think it might have been before that. Yeah. before their logo, but who knows? Yeah, that's a hilarious story. I had no idea. I remember though the I remember scratching the sticker and 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 uh, and that oh that it, it worked for me because that is a memory that sticks to me. Hey, I have now. I want to ask you some selfish questions. I started playing my guitar again. I had a I bought a Strat like twenty some odd years ago, and then I got a really uh-huh. important job. And never touched mm-hmm. it again. Then I got mm-hmm. some time now. I'm, I'm learning how to play guitar. You taught yourself how to play guitar. Are there any tips uh, that you would give somebody or, or, mis- or mistakes that I should avoid when you're trying to learn to play an instrument like the guitar? Um, here's my biggest tip. If you want to learn to play any instrument, mm-hmm. learn to play piano first. Oh, God, that's too, that's too late. <laughs> <laughs> because piano's hard, the right? Reason, the, the reason that I could teach myself how to play guitar was because I had studied classical piano for years and years and years and years. Right. So I had a certain understanding of music and theory and 
all, all that sort of stuff before I started on guitar, and I ended up actually going to a music store. Um, I actually wanted to be a drummer first, and um, I bought a drum pad and those great big sticks, and I came home and started playing in, in my parents' apartment, and they uh, they said the drum pad was too loud. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's... That, kind of is going to nix any chance I ever have of getting a set of drums in here. Yeah. So I better pick another instrument. And so I, I said, well, okay, uh, how about guitar? So I, I went and there was a local music shop and I took uh, uh, one lesson and the guy started trying to teach me how to play Red River Valley on the E string. Mm. And uh, I said, that's not what I want to do. I just want to play rhythm guitar like John Lennon. Yeah. And he said, no, 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 no. You have to, you have to start here and you have to, you have to learn these strings one at a time. And uh, I was much too impatient for that. So on the way out, I bought a Beatle chord book Mm. and I went home and I just started learning the formations and yeah. learned to play and within about six months i had taught myself to play guitar and i knew probably five or six chords and uh that was three more than the guys who had a band who first invited me to come sit in with them knew <laughs> so uh, i instantly became wow he knows six chords and i became the leader of the band and i was off and running at 15 and a half so let me ask you um because you um when you write a song, do you see it as a whole or do you see it more as a product made of parts that you kind of add and subtract? Um, you know, most most of my career, I heard as I was writing, I, I hear finished records in my head. Right. I mean, I hear all the parts. I yes. hear all the guitar parts and the drum parts and harmony parts and whatever. Wow. Yeah. Um, just finished records. And so it was always a matter of me being able to try to uh, be able to convey what I heard to the guys in the band and the producer and whatever. And mm-hmm. sometimes... Uh, that works out well, and and sometimes that is harder to do, uh, depending upon who you're working with. And uh, eventually, as I you know later in my career, I started working with. Um, I did some collaborating with a gentleman named Dean Pitchford, who wrote the screenplay for Footloose mm. and all the lyrics. Mm. And uh, Dean and I wrote uh, Almost Paradise together and wow. uh and then um that worked out so well yes. that we said i said no we should we should do something else so um we wrote a couple other songs and one of them was make, make me lose control mm-hmm. uh, but uh those were the first times that i actually didn't know you know sitting down to you know the whole record what the whole record was going to sound like mm-hmm. it was just kind of like well let's just write a great song but um but most of the time i hear everything i hear the whole thing Stay right there. We'll be right back after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today that's shopify.com slash system you said you got to learn piano i think i took one or two piano lessons and i think the piano is made to like as a survival of the fittest like if you if you can't handle the lessons get away from the instrument and that was me now i want to ask you Uh. yeah but i'm good i'm actually learning 
I'm learning the chords. I'm learning how to play, mm-hmm. play guitars. I play uh, uh, songs. Generally, I stick around the Ramones and the Clash kind of area mm-hmm. because that's, that's okay. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah, good and it, it, to start. Yeah, and also the Cramps, which is one of my favorite bands, a rockabilly band from Ohio, <laughs> by the way. Uh-huh. Yes, very good. Yes, um, you're so polite. By the way, who I'm, I have, I, I'm running out of time, but I want to ask you, what? Who's the weirdest person you ever met in music? The weirdest person yeah. I ever met. Yeah. Boy, there's quite a selection <laughs> from there. Um, I once met Lowell George. Oh, Little Feet. The artist of Little Feet. Yeah, Little Feet. And uh, we were, I was coming into a session in the studio where they were finishing up a session. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of a fan mm-hmm. first. You know, that's I come at being a musician at, from the standpoint of being a huge fan of all the bands that I loved. Right. Um, the coolest guy I ever met was John Lennon. Yeah. I will tell you that. Um, and one of my proudest photos that I have is John proudly displaying his raspberry sweatshirt uh, that was uh, taken by his girlfriend, May Pang, which is sitting hanging in my office wow. on the wall. Uh, in 1974, uh, he also, when I actually met him, he said um, he had heard Overnight Sensation by the Raspberries, and he, before I could, I was trying to figure out what I would say when I actually shook his hand, uh, and I couldn't think of anything smart to say, <laughs> and before I had a chance to say a word, he stuck his hand out, and he started shaking my hand, and he said, love your record, Ringo uh, and I are going to do promotion for you. Oh, Fantastic. It was so, I said, I think I said something like, I like yours too. (laughs) That's stupid. Um, Can I tell you that we have a connection. I got drunk with his son about two months ago, Sean, in in, in, uh, downtown Manhattan at a steakhouse. We met and had drinks, but nobody should know that because I don't want to get him in trouble. (laughs) <laughs> I've not I've not had the uh, the great fortune to meet Sean. Yeah, great guy. Uh, I met him I met him on Twitter. Just the way I met you was Twitter. That's awesome. It works sometimes. It does work. Um, so the weirdest thing is I met Lowell George and I yeah. said to him as he's you know packing up his gear and whatever, I said who's your favorite guitar player? Mm-hmm. And uh and he said he looked at me with a deadpan face and he said Keith Richard. Mm. And I said and then he started, he broke out laughing. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he was obviously, he thought Keith was the worst guitar player ever. And that, to me, is complete sacrilege. Because yes. I love Keith Richard more than almost any guitar player alive. Mm-hmm. And he's written more great guitar intros than anyone Anybody. I can think of. No, the riff, and, uh, he's a riff so genius. I, I, yeah, I, I, I actually seriously thought about maybe taking a swack at <laughs> Lowell George, <laughs> I thought it was incredibly rude, and uh, and he was completely, you know, out of yeah. bounds. You know, don't you don't you be calling Keith any bad names in front of me. <laughs> so. Keith, uh, Keith Richards, it's a it's a lot to do with the tuning of his guitar. I mean, he's an amazing guitars, but he has yeah. doesn't he tune in E as a D pretty much. He uses you know, open G tuning. Okay, man, uh, his, his his whole his guitar intro thing, which wasn't bad to begin with. I mean, Satisfaction was before that. Right. Uh, but when he found open G tuning, that was everything. It was, you know, uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash and Honky Tonk Women and all the un- incredible stuff. Yeah. So, 
Well, well, I, I could talk to you for another hour, but you know what? I have to go get my makeup for the five because I have to be beautiful. <laughs> well, well, you go do that, and I'll go watch you. Yeah, you have to because I know you watch the show, which is awesome. We do. Which is really love- awesome. And um, I am going to be – I think my monologue today is going to be on uh, Bloomberg dropping out and uh, Liz Warren. It's going to be a fun show. This is – hasn't it been a fun time, this with – the, with the coronavirus – Exception. It's been an interesting time to be alive, that's for sure. It's interesting it is. Yes. Uh, aggravating, yeah. maddening sometimes. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just, I've been, uh, I saw James Wood's first tweet today, <laughs> and it was, uh, he and I are thinking right along the same lines yeah. that, that uh, Hillary's going to be vice president, and and uh, they're going to push to get Joe in, and then Joe is going to drop bow out. out say, uh, well, gee, I got these health issues. This and, scares me because and, you know, you're the third person. You know, I have a good friend of mine, Walter Kern, who's a great writer, believe, has uh-huh. been saying this for almost a year, that this is how it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, I've been thinking it, too. I've been tr- trying to figure out how they were going to do it, and I never thought it would be a backdoor yeah. <laughs> for Biden. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, she's, uh, you know, it... it yeah. <laughs> I You're can't speechless. Say what I was going to say. Yes, I was. I can't say what I was going to say because I, I, you know, know better than to do that. Right. Well, um, Eric, it, it's been a pleasure. And um, great talking to you, to, Greg. Yeah. I feel like you're my, you know, my bud. You know, because I watch you so often, and you keep me in stitches. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I agree with you on everything politically. <laughs> I mean, I, your little monologues uh, on your show. Uh, usually, I'm like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> that that makes my day because it's like if I like my 14 year old self knew that this day would be I, my 14 year old self would be extremely excited because the raspberries, you know. Well, those guys rock. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Eric yeah. Carmen will like me in fo- uh, in roughly forty years. <laughs> I just yeah, have to it, wait till you know then. Where do things happen? I, you know, the things like that happen with me too. So, uh, yeah. People that I, you know, uh, admire uh, mm-hmm. somehow through Twitter or yes. Facebook. You know, we become friends and. Oh. How about that? Exactly. It's very strange. It's the best thing about social media because there's so many bad things. Yeah. uh, All right, Eric. Great talking to you. All right, Greg. Great talking to you, too. Have a great show. You, too. Or me, too. (laughs) Take care. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.